of the Lord in Jesus' name. Why don't you turn around and give that hand clap to the Lord of Lords and the King of Kings right now in Jesus' name. Hallelujah, Jesus, God. You alone are worthy, Jesus. You alone are worthy, Jesus. Can't thank our pastor enough for those very kind words. I, I really do appreciate it. Um, thank you very much to Pastor and, and our First Lady for giving me the opportunity. Um, and thank you, church, to praying for my wife. She's feeling a lot better, and she's, uh, she's in the house of the Lord tonight. And now that they have that fancy speaker in the back, she'll be listening as well. I'm also very thankful for, for this church. Many of you have known me quite a while growing up and have made a, a very positive impact on my life. And for that, I'm very, very thankful. Words can't describe how thankful I am of you. And most of all, I'm thankful for the Lord Jesus Christ and the blessings that he's been doing in me and in my life. Yes, Jesus, come. Without further ado, I do want to get in the word of the Lord. I don't intend to preach really long tonight. But if you have your Bibles, go ahead and uh, turn to the book of James, chapter 2 and verse 26. And then following James, we'll be going to the book of Psalms, chapter 23 and verse 4. As you're turning there, I do believe I have a word for the church tonight. I felt that confirmation so strongly as pastor began to preach so capably on where is God when I need him the most on Sunday. Begin reading in uh, James chapter 2 and verse 26. It says, For as the body without the spirit is dead, so faith without works is dead also. Faith without works is dead also. Now skipping over to Psalms chapter 23. And for the time being, I want to focus on that verse 4. Yea, though I walk... Through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. And tonight, I would like to minister to us on this thought. Yea, though I walk. Yea, though I walk. Go ahead and put your Bibles down as we begin to pray. God, I believe your word is anointed, God, and I believe you've filled me up as a vessel in order to be able to bless these people here tonight with a word that you've given me tonight, God. I'm praying that you speak into every situation and to help us leave with a few more tools in our spiritual toolbox tonight. And I'm praying this in the name above all names. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. And you could give the Lord a hand clap of praise as we're seated. Growing up, I was always very intrigued in various aspects of history. As a kid, you learned to dress up like Alexander the Great, reenact the Civil War, or things of nature of which you may have learned in school that day. There's a topic that stood out to me for a few reasons. A, because it was war history, which I very much enjoyed studying, and B, because it involved tanks, which was always a pleasure to learn about coming from a tanker's kid. But see, because even at a really long, young age, I felt as though this topic was extremely applicable to a spiritual journey. Please stay with me tonight as I begin to take us on a quick journey into World War I, specifically the aspect of trench warfare. Trench warfare was a type of land warfare used in trenches in which troops are well protected from the enemy's small arms fire and are substantially sheltered from artillery Within the trench, it became associated 
with World War I between 1914 and 1918. Trench warfare was created when a revolution of firepower was not matched by civil advances in mobility, resulting in a grueling war, a form of warfare in which the defender held the advantage. Sometimes in church we tend to become comfortable avoiding spiritual uh, confrontation, such as thinking as, oh, well, I'll worry about salvation when I feel as though I'm ready, putting it on the defense and only forming a prayer life out of convenience when you need it the most or when God, <coughs> we can't always live for God on the defense. Moving on into the war, we find that both sides constructed elaborate trenching underground and dugout systems opposing each, each other along the front, protected from assault by barbed wire. The area between opposing trench lines, known as no man's land, was fully exposed to the artillery from both sides. Attacks, even if successful, often sustained several casualties. No man's land was never a spot that you wanted to be. You were almost guaranteed to sustain casualties and was virtually never successful, making it extremely difficult to make progress on your own. Tell your neighbor you can't do it on your own. Digging in was a standard practice by the start of World War I. By the end of October 1914, within a year of the start of World War I, the whole Belgian front and uh, France had solidified in the lines of trenches, which lasted until the last weeks of the war. Both sides concentrated on breaking up the enemy's attacks on pr by protecting their own troops and digging deep into the ground. Some people live like that spiritually. You make up in your mind, oh, I know there's a spiritual warfare all around me, but maybe if I just dig in a little, it won't impact me too much. And keep my head down. Maybe go through the motions a little bit. Maybe it won't affect me that much. I'm in a place of comfort. I'm in a place of what I feel as though is security. We find in 2 Corinthians, in verse 10, it reads, For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty to God through the pulling down of strongholds. It begs the question, how are strongholds going to fall if you are dug out? If you have chosen not to engage in the battle. After the buildup in forces in 1915, the Western Front became a stalemate struggle between two equals. Sometimes we see stalemate as a victory. Life's been good and I'm happy in the trench I'm living in. The devil leaves me alone and I don't get too much spiritual opposition. A place of comfort, a place of avoiding confrontation. We begin to find that in the stalemate, frontal assaults, and their associated casualties become inevitable because the continuous trench lines had no open flanks. Casualties of the defenders matched those of the casualties of the attackers. As vast reserves were expended in costly counterattacks and exposed to the attackers' massed artillery, if you find yourself in a stalemate, you need to challenge yourself because that is when you are the most vulnerable spiritually. When you feel as though everything's going smooth, normally that's a sign the hair starts sticking up on the back of your neck, and you know what, you know what, it's, it's a little bit too easy right now. It's gotten a little bit too comfortable. 
You feel as though you don't need to press on as much as you have before because you're in a place of comfortability. You're in a place where you're avoiding confrontation. And that not always is the will of God. Early in World War I, trenches were simple. The small, improvised trenches of the first months grew deeper and deeper and more complex, gradually becoming vast areas of interlocking defensive works. Very early in the war, British defensive doctrine suggested a main trench system of three parallel lines interconnected by a communication trench. The point at which the communication trench intersected the front trench was of critical importance because it was usually heavily fortified. The front trench was lightly staffed and typically only occupied a force during a stand-to at dawn to dusk. The stand-to consisted of both sides planning an attack where shortly after dawn and shortly before dusk, both sides formed attacks attempting to break into enemy lines. Between 65 and 90 meters behind the front trench was located the support trench to which the garrison would retreat when the front trench was bombarded between 90 and 270 meters. Uh, further was the rear located the third reserve trench where the reserve troops could amass for a counterattack if the front trenches were captured. This defensive layout soon re rendered obsolete as the power of artillery grew. However, in certain sectors of the front, the support trench was maintained as a decoy to attract the enemy's bombardment away from the front and the reserve lines. This duplication made a decisive breakthrough virtually impossible. Everyone say breakthrough. If a section of the first trench system was captured, a switch trench would be dug out connected the second trench system to still hold the section of the first. The fundamental strategy of World War I was to defend one's own position while trying to achieve a breakthrough. Everybody say breakthrough. They were trying to uh, achieve a breakthrough into the enemy's lines. The effect was to progressively grind down the opposition's resources until ultimately they were no longer able to wage war. I want to bring your attention to Stand 2. When I was studying for this message, I began to think of Stand 2 as a scheduled time as which they planned to attack at dawn and at dusk. We can't become comfortable with coming to church on Sunday and Wednesday hoping to get a breakthrough. You got to be trying to get a breakthrough in your home. You got to be trying to get a breakthrough in your church life. You got to be trying to get a breakthrough in your spiritual journey when you're praying at home. You can't just come to church on a Wednesday and a Sunday expecting a breakthrough. It's going to take a little bit more than that. The fundamental strategy was to obtain a breakthrough. We find that the term breakthrough becomes a key term as we begin to transition to the end of the war. Just like a breakthrough can help us spiritually. We find in Psalm 21, verse 11 through 13 reads, For they intended evil against thee. They imagined a mischievous device which they were not able to perform. 
Therefore thou shalt make them turn their back. When thou shalt make the ready thine arrows upon thy strings against the face of them. Be thou exalted, Lord, in thine own strength. So we will sing and praise thy power. This shows us that our God is mighty in battle. This verse describes the manner in which God defeats the enemies of his kingdom who imagine evil but discover they can't perform it. We begin to see several more unique tactics. One of these is the use of the creeping barrage, which will lift more frequently but in smaller steps, sweeping the ground ahead to move slowly to the attackers so that the, the attackers behind them could follow closely behind it. Capturing the objective was only half of the battle. And this is a key part I want to pay attention to right here. But the battle was only won if the objective was held. You know how to take a breakthrough to the next level? You hold on to it. You buy into your breakthrough. That's for free. The trench is not a fun place to be. As, I, as if I haven't convinced you enough yet about how terrible the trench is, speaking of a spiritual low place, a valley, a place of trouble. Allow me to elaborate just a little bit more. Even in quiet sectors, had daily casualties of sniper fire, artillery, disease, and poisonous gas. In the first six months of 1916, before the launch of the Somme offense, the British did not engage in any significant battles. On their sector of the Western Front, they suffered 107,776 casualties. Only one in two men will ret return alive or unwounded from the trench. While the main cause of the death in the trench came from shelling and gunfire, diseases and infections were always present and became more prevalent for all sides as the war progressed. Medical procedures, while considerably more effective than any at previous time, were still not helpful. Antibiotics had not yet been discovered or invented. As a result, an infection caught in a trench often went untreated and could fester until the soldier died. The dominant disease in the trench of the Western Front was known as trench fever. Trench fever caused headaches, shin pain, rashes, and relapsing fevers. Doesn't sound too fun, does it? Resulting in lethargy for months. Trench fever became increasingly common, mostly in the frontline troops. Entrenched soldiers always also dealt with parasites, trench foot, and even rats. Doesn't sound fun. This makes this place nearly unlivable. And what you may have thought was a good idea to dig out and hang out as a spot of security is now overcome with all of these other contributing factors of your life. You never intend to become so consumed in the trench. You never intend to grow so deep and complex trying to become comfortable, overcome with spiritual diseases, spiritual stalemate, for your world to become falling down around you, to become so overwhelmed that one thing might end your spiritual value. 
your, your spiritual battle. It becomes so bad in the spiritual filth that you have become overwhelmed with disease and rats, and it stinks. And maybe it would be easier to just throw in the towel. Call it quits. Maybe this isn't for me. I've come to tell somebody tonight, no matter how hard it gets, keep pushing. Keep moving forward. God is with you when you need him the most, just like Pastor was talking about on Sunday. Give the Lord a hand clap of praise. You may be seated in Jesus' name. The fundamental strategy of trench warfare in World War I was to defend one's own position while trying to achieve a breakthrough. We can't live for God waiting for a breakthrough and then once we get one, hold on, not hold on to it and let it go. I'm going to say that again. We can't wait for God to give us a breakthrough and then once we get one, let it go. Just as we read earlier, the battle was only won if the objective was held. We can't get breakthroughs and let them go. We have to hold on to our victory. We have to hold on to us overcoming trials and barriers in the spirit. You have to hold on to your blessing. You can't let it go. You can't go back to the trench. So now you're probably wondering, how did they get out of the trench? Throughout World War I, the major combatants slowly developed different ways of breaking the stalemate in the trench. The Germans focused more on new tactics, while the British and French focused on tanks. The development of armored warfare, or better known as tanks, along with combined arms tactics, permitted static lines to be bypassed and defeated, leading to the decline of trench warfare after the war. Tanks were developed by the British and French to attack enemy trenches by combining heavy protection from small arm fire with their armor and battlefield mobility with, with their tracks. They were first deployed in 1916 at the Battle of Somme in li limited numbers. By 1918, tanks' capabilities and tactics improved. Their numbers increased, and combined with fr French tanks, finally helped break the stalemate. During the last 100 days of the war, Allied forces pushed Germans back using infantry supported by tanks and close air support. And by the war's end, tanks became a significant element of warfare, achieving and maintaining that breakthrough we keep talking about. Can I get an amen, Brother Diaz? For those of you that don't know, he's a tanker. Former tanker. Once a tanker, always a tanker, I guess. In mid to late 1918, eventually resulted in German surrender and the signing of a ceasefire on November 11th, 1918, resulting in the end of World War I. Just as Pastor so capably preached on Sunday, God is always with you. We sing, even when I don't see it, you're working. And even when I can't feel it, you're working. But we got to make up in our mind that I don't care what happens. I choose to move forward. I choose to obtain that breakthrough. I choose to hang on to it. I choose to not back down. I don't want to go back to the trench I was living in. I don't want to go back to an area that's filled with spiritual diseases. I choose to move forward. Yeah. 
There's a reason why I chose those two passages of Scripture in the beginning of the sermon. As we read in James 2, faith without works is dead. And work literally means a task or tasks to be undertaken or something a person must do. Similar in Psalms 23 and 4, yea, though I walk. Walk is a verb, meaning to move at a regular place, to set one foot down in front of the other, to keep moving forward. Reading the remaining of Psalms 23, verses 4 through 6, Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. Thy rod and thy staff shall comfort me. Thou preparest a table before me in the presence of my enemies. Thou anointest my head with oil, and my cup runneth over. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all of the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Everyone say, you got to walk. Faith without works is dead, and I want to be alive. Choose life in your ministry. Choose life in your family. Choose life in your walk with God. Similar to the sustained breakthrough we see resulting in World War I's victory, we have to choose to be all in and to give God everything we have. Make up in your mind, I don't care what I have to do, but I choose to move forward. I choose to walk. I choose to work. I choose to put one foot in front of the other. There's a reason why rearview mirrors are small. You're supposed to keep your attention forward. I don't know who this is for tonight, but you got to have it made up in your mind. God, it doesn't matter what my mom does. It doesn't matter what my father does. It doesn't matter what my brother, my sister, my aunt, my uncle. It doesn't matter what they do. I choose to keep moving forward. Keep moving. Keep working. Put one foot in front of the other. Press on. Push past the opposition. We used to refer to an acronym called PUSH. PUSH stands for pray until something happens. I want to encourage somebody to push tonight. You have to choose life. You may be seated. You may ask, how do I choose life, Brother Troy? I'm glad you asked. In Deuteronomy 20, beginning in verse 1, says, When thou goest out into battle against thine enemies, and seest horses and chariots and people more than thou, be not afraid for them. They're outnumbered. Don't be afraid. For the Lord thy God is with thee, which brought thee out of the land of Egypt. And it shall be when ye are come nigh unto the battle, that the priest shall approach and speak unto the people, and say unto them, Hear, O Israel, ye approach this day unto battle against your enemies. Let not your hearts faint, fear not, and do not tremble. Be ye terrified because of them, for the Lord thy God is he that goeth with you to fight for you and say against your enemies to save you. Tell your, or tell your neighbor, God's going to fight for you. 
I'm hurrying to a close. <coughs> Let's all stand all over the house as I have two passages of Scripture in closing. I'm talking about life. Choosing life. In 1 Corinthians chapter 15 and verse 31, and then skipping over to verse 48. Verse 31 reads, I protest by rejoicing, which I have in Christ Jesus our Lord. I die daily. And then skipping over to verse 48, it reads, As the earthly, such are they also that are earthly. And as is heavenly, such are they also that are heavenly. And as we have borne the image of earthly, we shall also bear the image of heavenly. Church, we have to make a choice. Do you choose to walk? Do you choose to work? Do you choose the heavenly? Do you choose the earthly? As we begin to make our way to the altar, I have one closing passage of Scripture in Proverbs 3. In verse 1 through 6, it reads, My son, forget not my law, but let thine heart keep my commandments. For the length of days and of long life and peace shall they add to thee. Let not mercy and truth forsake thee, Bind them about thy neck. Ride upon them the table of thine heart. So shalt thou find favor and good understanding in the sight of God and man. Trust in the Lord with all thine heart and lean not into thy own understanding. That's so powerful. Trust in the Lord. I have read that true wisdom leads to obedience to God's law, and obedience to God's law is filled with benefits. By wholeheartedly trusting in God instead of human intelligence and acknowledging Him in all of one's ways, divine direction is the result. Church, these altars are open. I have just a couple questions. What do you choose? Do you choose life? Do you choose to walk with the Lord? Do you choose to trust in the Lord? Do you choose to put work where your faith is? I know it's hard, and I know sometimes you feel overwhelmed but you have to trust in the Lord. As they begin to sing, I welcome you to this altar. Going back, moving ahead, here to declare to you, the past is over in you, things are made new, surrender my life to Christ.
to such a freedom I have found in you you're the healer who makes all things new yeah 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 not going back moving ahead I'm here to declare to you my past is over
Lift up your hands all across this house. My past is over in you. All things are made new. Surrender my life Come on. to Christ. I'm, I'm moving forward. I'm taking territory. My faith is going to be put I'm to action, put to the test. To My past is over in you. All things are made new. Surrender my life to Christ. I'm moving, moving forward. Hallelujah. Come on, let's lift our hands and let's pray all across this house. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. You can dig in if you want to. You can get in defense mode all you want, and you can stay there, and you can die there. You can stay there, and you can get disease there. But we've made it up in our minds. We're taking territory. We're putting our faith in action, and if we move forward, God moves forward with us, and God will fight for us, and God will help us. Somebody lift up your hands and magnify him. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Come on. There's somebody you've been living and you've been staying in the valley of the shadow of death. But God sent a preacher to tell you, keep walking and get through it because it doesn't stop in the valley. He's got a table prepared for you on the other side, but you've got to put some feet to your faith and make your way out of that valley. You've got to put, you got to get out of the trench. You've got to get out of the rut. You've got to get out of the spiritual laziness and say, God, I'm moving forward. Come on, I'm moving forward. You make all things new, yes, you make all things new, and I will follow you forward. Make all things new, yes, you That's your prayer. Lift up your hands and let's worship him. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Oh, let's love him all across this building. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus, for sending a man of God to tell us that we can move forward. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord, for giving us a word that we can move forward in you, God. Hallelujah. Praise God. Praise God. Amen. Thank you, Brother Diaz, for following what God has laid in your heart. Amen. Let's give the Lord a hand clap of praise for that. Amen. You know, what he talked about today is so, is so accurate. We all have defense mechanisms in our life and in our heart. 
we do that. I mean, we have self-preservation uh, in our very nature. So that idea of, of trenching in and digging in, it's good for a moment. Sometimes you need to do that because if not, you just, you know, you die in no man's land. Amen. But if you stay there and you stay dug in and you always stay in defense mode, you never take territory. I know people, they've existed, but they've never lived. Well, I know people that have been, uh, they've been, you know, alive as far as they breathe, but they've never truly lived. Those are the people that because they've been uh, so shell-shocked from the war, they've been so in such a strong battle, they've endured so many hard things, they think, you know, I, I, they start making it more comfortable where they are. They start trying to put some pictures up in the trench, and they try to make it a, a little bit, they start bailing a little bit of water out. You know, it's not too bad in here. It's, you know, it's better than over there. But, you know, if you're not moving forward, you're dying. Maybe slowly. Maybe it's going to happen rapidly, but you got to move forward. Because if, really, you know, somebody put a best on a tombstone, they said, uh, you know, here lies you know, Jim, he died, you know, 1995, whatever, and, and somebody went to the funeral, and they said, oh, no, no, Jim, Jim was buried in 1995, but he died in 1985. There's some people like that. Because they've never put feet to their faith. They've never said, God, I'm going to put my, I'm going to put that faith that you've given me to get out of where I am. Because God will go with you. Man, we both preached it. He didn't even know. We didn't talk at all. So we were reading some of the same scriptures. So God's obviously trying to speak to somebody. God will not leave you nor forsake you. Well, God, I want this battle to go away. Well, then stop running from the battle. Get in the battle, and God will fight it for you, and God will help you win. And God, God, I'm tired of where I am. Then get up out of where you are. Start making your way forward. Say, God, in faith, we're taking territory. And, Brother Diaz, we're not just going to take territory. We're going to keep that territory. I don't want to just get the victory tonight and lose it tomorrow. I'm going to get the victory tonight. I'm going to keep it, and we're going to the next victory and the next victory. We don't go from trial to trial. We go from faith to faith, glory to glory, victory to victory. Somebody lift up your hands in Jesus' name. Hallelujah, Lord, we love you. We thank you tonight. We thank you for the man of God that preached to us. God, I don't want to allow my trench to become my tomb. I don't want to allow this, uh, this season to become a rut that I stay in and that I die in, God. I pray, Lord, help me, Lord, not to die in the valley of the shadow of death, but, God, to make my way through it by faith because, God, I know you're with me, and you're going to help me in every season, this season and the next season. And, God, by your grace, we're moving forward to the next season in Jesus' name. And everybody said amen. Let's give the Lord a hand clap of praise and a shout of victory. Hallelujah. Come on, let's give God a great shout on this Wednesday night. Hallelujah. Praise God. Praise God. Amen. Shake hands. Be friendly. Love one another. Make it up in your mind. We're moving forward. Amen. Make it up in your mind for your family. My family's moving forward. In Jesus' name. Amen. Tell Brother Dees what a great job he did. Shake his hand. Give him a big old hug. Amen. We're looking forward to what God's going to continue to do. Don't forget Sunday at 1.30 p.m., Super Sunday. You're going to want to come out to the park afterwards as well. In Jesus' name, God bless you.